Clinical Disclaimer This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc. What's up? All right, well, don't be so excited to see me. <laughs> What's up? Oh, How are go. you? There you go. Come on. Just put a little love in your heart for me, Doc. <laughs> is that from Ghostbusters 2? What is that from? <laughs> I'm not really sure. And we're back, folks, from our weekly hiatus. Happy Monday, Doc. Happy Monday. Yeah, beginning of the week. Ready to dive in the deep end of the pool of the work week <laughs> here at the University of Pleasure. <laughs> we have some fun topics today, and these topics are actually a little bit different than topics we've done in the past. It's kind of got a bit of a spin, and I'm digging it, digging it, digging it. <laughs> but before we get started, again, as we always say, we hope everyone is being safe and is healthy out there. And uh, if you're struggling in any way, shape, or form, as the doc always says, go find someone to talk to. A lot of people are doing um, stuff on Skype. Is that what what, what do you Telehelp. Telehelp. I knew that there was, I'm sure, an official word. Telehelp. So if you are struggling, reach out, talk to somebody. It's a hard time in the world. So let's talk about some topics. Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Love when you say that. Let's get into it. <laughs> get into it. You're right. And the first one we're going to get into, the dildo dilemma. Don't worry. A sex toy is not going to replace you. And I totally understand why this is a topic here. Even I, as a dude, understand. as a guy who just likes talking about sex because... There was a time when I was a young Jeremiah James. Ooh, this is good. This is good. Yeah, it is good. Because I'm really good at telling stories and super (laughs) humble about it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. So true, true thing. There was a time a long time ago, and I think I might have talked about it before, where uh, I was with a woman and she was playing with herself while we were having sex. I was like in my early 20s and I was like, (gasps) oh. Oh my God, what is she doing? I kept it all inside, but I was like, oh my gosh, you know, of course I'm now much more evolved and I think it's amazing, but it was the first time somebody, there was something like that. And then she pulled out a sex toy and then I was like, oh my God, what is happening? I'm the worst lover in the world. And clearly I can't satisfy her or make her happy. And then I kept that all inside. And then at one point, she showed me a bunch of toys she had, and one of them was enormous. And then, of course, I was like, well, why am I even here anymore? (laughs) Right? And I think that this is something that happens to a lot of men when, you know, a partner is bringing it in to the bedroom. And I'm so glad we're kind of dressing this a little bit here, Doc. Because sex toys are great. And when we can break through that barrier, there are so many great toys out there that can help with pleasure and different types of pleasure and different types of things. You're just staring at me. So I just want to make sure. (laughs) I was listening to your tale and I was thinking about how it is a common thing that I've heard people talk about. I was also thinking, I mean, you're, you're really talking about it from sort of a male heterosexual perspective, but you know, that's what I am. 
Yeah, I know. So, but there, I've had people talk to me about insecurities regarding sex toys, you know, kind of across genders, across sexual orientations. And, you know, uh, don't get me wrong. I have, I know, and have talked to lots of people that are very, they love sex toys. They love their partners using sex toys as a turn on, or they feel neutral about it, right? It's not an issue. They know their partners use sex toys and they're totally fine. But I've also, you know, had just as many conversations where somebody feels like a little confused or a little insecure or, or doesn't really know what to think about their, part, their partner's use of sex toys. And so I think it's a I think it's a relevant topic, right? Because, again, just like everything we talk about, for some people out there, it's like, I'm fine with this. Why is it an issue? Right. <laughs> but right, totally. there's also just as many people for whom it is actually a, a bit of a struggle. Listen, it was a bit of a struggle for me. And I just wanted to put it out there for the listeners. If it was a struggle for you, doesn't matter what kind of relationship you're in to go back. You know, I am a heterosexual man and I know that a lot of heterosexual men have probably run into this, but I think it could be something that would also be a problem for a uh, gay couple or, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I think, you know, the, you know, it'd be intimidating because you are somebody who, you know, you're, you're thinking like, I do this pretty well. My lover loves me and big bang, boom. <laughs> hey. And then all of a sudden someone's like, let me get my power tools out. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Hang on. Pump the brakes. What does this mean? <laughs> right. And we don't often talk about these things. Right. So if you're, if you're... doc, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no I okay. can keep talking. Go ahead. I'm now? sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Am I going now? Okay. Uh, no, I was just going to say like, you know, if you're building a deck and you, you came prepared with a hammer and someone pulls out their like brand new like air nailer right? <laughs> <laughs> you might feel a little bit like right and don't get me wrong that hammer might come in very handy later on right That's right it's not the hammer is not needed That's right right uh, but I, I do think that for people that do feel threatened, right? And some people do. Um, I did. About- I'm not ashamed to admit it. I felt not only did I feel threatened, I felt I, I had a I had a very deep sense of like I just a, it wasn't even threatened. It was like I felt that I was not good or that somehow playing with toys meant well while I was engaging with intercourse with my partner way back when. Because now I just want to be very clear. I think it's great. I actually go shopping for them. I look for them like, ooh, have we tried this thing? Like, let's something new on the market. Bring it, you know. But back then, I was just like, I better go back to the library and get like the Kama Sutra, the Joy of Sex, like all those classic books and start really learning again because I thought I was doing good work, but clearly I'm not because they need this help and I'm not delivering, which is not a real thing. So I'm just saying that I was there Feel you listeners, if you felt that, I'm with you. Continue, Doc. Right. Well, but I think that you bring up a really common reason that people might feel insecure, right? Like a lot of times what feels threatening about it is people feeling like if someone needs that, then they're not doing enough, right? Or there's something wrong with what they're doing or how they're approaching something just isn't the right way. And what's really interesting is that for a lot of people, when they might pull out a sex toy during sexual activity or, you know, request to use one or bring up that they might like to try that, like, it's usually not about that their partner's not enough. It's often just that they're trying to enhance an experience, right? Or they're trying to um, find some different ways or try some new stuff. And I think it's very easy. We've talked about this a lot on this podcast. It's just very easy for us to get in black and white thinking, right? It's very easy for us to be like all or nothing. Like, Oh, like if someone wants to do this, it must mean that I'm bad and I'm doing nothing right. Right. Versus kind of more of this abstraction, right. Which is abstract thinking, which is more like, Oh, well, maybe my partner just wants to enhance this thing, right? Or maybe this is just something new we can try and that will be beneficial and enjoyable for both of us. But for whatever reason, and I don't know what happened in evolution with our human brains, but we just, we are not good at abstraction without some effort, right? Agreed. Um, So basically, I think that 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 insecurity that you're describing right that like what's wrong with me that you need this like that's kind of one of the most common reasons that people might bring up feeling uncomfortable with their partner using a sex toy um and i think another thing and it's part of along that same lines is is really people fearing that they just won't be necessary anymore right bingo like like what role do i have like i don't know let's say you know somebody does have a i don't know 
nine inch dildo or something right and somebody's like i am not let's say it's a uh somebody that's engaging in some penetrative intercourse right and somebody pulls out some a nine inch dildo and someone thinks well then what's my point i I, i'm packing six you know what i mean like and assuming that that's you know that that obviously is preferred and that's some type of replacement for them and really when you start to get in and you start to have conversations with people about this it's very rarely that at all. Frankly, I'm not saying that's never happened in the history of life. I'm just saying I've never really had a conversation which someone's actually sat in my office and said, yes, my sex toy is a replacement for you. I plan on leaving you for this sex toy, right? Like that, that's not. <laughs> that's a whole, I mean, that right there, I mean, that that's a, whew. could you imagine like somebody literally sits you down and you're like, honey, I'm going to say this in front of the doc now and I need to make <laughs> it not a real thing. I'm leaving you for Gerald, my 10 inch monster dildo. It's like, yeah. like what? What? I mean, that's. I'm not saying, I have no idea what's all happened in the history of the world. I'm just saying that anecdotally, that has not happened in my office, nor has it happened with anyone that I know. All right. And so I'm we like, have that right now. We can take that off the table, everybody. <laughs> Nobody's leaving anybody for sex toys. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not saying that there are certain type of stimulation that you can get from sex toys that. You know, you just might not be able to get from a partner that aren't wonderful and fun. But well, let's talk reality things. here, okay? I mean, some of these little bad boys have like Harley Davidson motors in them. I mean, there's no <laughs> way, even on my best day, if I was doing cuntilingus, that I could deliver that kind of raw power from behind my tongue. <laughs> just no matter how fast I moved it, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't happen. It's just a different sensation. It's just that it's, it's just different. It's there different. are different sensory experiences, right? And I think that the one of the things that we have a hard time sort of and we've talked I've talked before in podcasts about individual versus dyadic sexuality, right? Individual meaning that sexuality you have with yourself, dyadic meaning like a sexual experience with another person or experiences with another person. And I think that people forget that like somebody can enjoy something a lot on an individual basis and then bring that same thing. I don't know, let's say it's a vibrator, right? Bring that into a sexual experience with their partner and have a totally different experience with that thing. And both of those things can coexist, right? One doesn't necessarily necessarily cancel out the other. And that's part of what I think people really struggle with sometimes. No, I totally agree. When I've had conversations with my male friends who were they're like, hey, man, you're in, you know, I know the kind of stuff that you, you, you're you into. And, you know, can I talked about this. Of course, you know, and we talk a little about it. And I just say, hey, these things can live together. It's not a thing like one is higher or lower. It's just a different experience. You know, and, you know, it's, it's, I, I equate a lot of things to cars. I love cars. You know, a Ferrari, great. It could be a lot of fun driving around a little while. Different sensory experience than driving around, say, a Jeep Wrangler. A Jeep Wrangler is <laughs> a little bit more practical. You can probably get better gas mileage. Definitely is not as expensive. And that you would probably rather drive all the time. But that doesn't mean you wouldn't enjoy driving a Ferrari, right? Just different sensory experience. But they can both live in the same world. You can have this deep love for your Wrangler that does just about everything and it's got four-wheel drive and it's good in the snow and all these other things. The Ferrari was just fun. It's another another thing to throw into the mix every once in a while. It's like why guys have like 100 cars in their garage if you're Jay Leno or something, right? So the idea is just something new, something different. But they but one isn't you know, all of a sudden cancel the other one out. Well, I got a Ferrari. I'm going to drive that every day and never drive my Wrangler. It doesn't happen that way. Am I right, Doc? You are right. And what that is called is a dialectic, right? A dialectic Ooh. is multiple truths existing at the same time. And we've talked about that a lot, right? A lot of the insecurities people have are about these sort of extremist fears. And to be fair, that's very human and that's very normal. Like I said, like, I don't know what happened as our brains were evolving, but these things... These are struggles for pretty much all of us, right? And we have to fight against those things. And, um, you know, this isn't that dissimilar from previous conversations we've had in podcasts. Like another a parallel example would be just because your partner sees someone else as attractive doesn't mean they don't find you attractive, right? Like right. It's One really doesn't cancel out the other. Right. And I mean, there is also, I think, just a really other important variable just it's one i like to say out loud to help remind people of why a toy isn't going to replace you and it's pretty simple right and that's because most people not all but most people really enjoy being sexual with other humans right and that there is something 
distinctly different about the experience of being sexual with a person. There's so many different dynamics that come along with that. The emotionality of that, the connection, the touch, and all of the stuff that makes sex great, right? And a toy is just this singular thing. And those are two totally disparate and different experiences, right? Integrating a toy into play doesn't mean that now all of a sudden that toy is uh, is something that is more important than you or exists <laughs> exists as this like sort of almighty being, right? Like the simplest sort of explanation for why more than likely you're not going to be replaced for a toys toys is pretty simple. Like you're a person, you're a human. And most people enjoy being sexual with other humans. And again, some people don't. But for the it's for the a most really part, small. It's I love that common. you put that out there for like you know. And that's one thing I love about you, Doc. You put it out there, even if the margin is so absolutely tiny. You make the disclaimer, which I love. You're like maybe some people don't. It's a very small amount. So people, I'm just going to say it for Jeremiah because I'm not a doctor and I'm not held by the same kind of constraints. It's a very small amount of people out there that don't want to have sex with other humans. Okay, it's not a huge margin. So don't think that like, you know, she's saying like eight out of 10 people like, (laughs) you know, it's well, I mean, like, I don't frankly, I don't know the stats on that. So I wouldn't speak to the stats on that. I'm not speaking to stats. I'm speaking anecdotally. Was that right? Did I use that right? Uh, Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, what I'm just saying is, you know. It's a very, very, very small percentage of the world that, you know, the doc is trying to get across this point here that most people still would rather have sex with their either their partner or human beings over toys. And I'm sure there are people out there that are the way. I just think it's really wonderful. The doc makes it so, you know. I think that it is important to make room for inclusivity for individuals who that may not be their preference. And there are some people that that might not be their preference. Thank you very much. Continue. Okay. I mean... If again, right? Just yes. to have my brain back on track, right? Like, as I go back to this, like, I just want to go back to this idea of individual versus like dyadic, right? Sexuality, right? There are lots of things that people enjoy as individuals. And I think sometimes those things can be very threatening. But interestingly, the more satisfied a person is individually, often that really helps with dyadic satisfaction, right? It really helps with couple satisfaction. When people have a really good sense of their sexuality because they're masturbating or they know their bodies and they know what they like and they know what they don't like, then they have many more skills to communicate with you about what they do and they don't like and how they like to be touched or what kind of sensory experiences they like to have. And ultimately what that usually does is creates better couples or, you know, someone's not a couple of group, but like, typically couples sexual experiences and so i think sometimes if you try to be overly controlling of your partner's sexual behaviors as in like if you try to say like "Mm, i don't like that you use vibrators or i don't like that you use toys or i don't like that you use prostate massager or whatever it might be one thing that you might have is some actual negative impact on yourself because the more constrained they feel, or even the more maybe frankly shameful somebody might feel about what they do on their own, the more they might bring that into their sexual experiences with you. And I promise you that shame is rarely something that's going to have a lot of fun attached to it in a sexual dynamic. So, all right, Doc, give us just a little bit of information as to how maybe to integrate this, how to get a little bit more comfortable with the toys in the room and not be intimidated. And so much of what I talk about about is shifting your philosophies, right? Like I talk a lot about philosophical shifts, and this would be a really good example of one, right? You have to start to change the way that you're thinking about your partner's toys, right? Rather than seeing them as a replacement for you. And again, this is always easier said than done, but rather seeing them as a replacement for you, starting to think about maybe how can you also enjoy this thing with your partner? How can you maybe celebrate some of the things that they really enjoy on their own, Right. Um, just because people find something really fun outside of you doesn't mean that it can't also be really fun with you. For instance, you can love playing a video game by yourself and still love playing it with a friend, right? One doesn't cancel it out. 
And, you know, you get different needs met by doing something on your own versus like in the video game example, right? Like you might have a fun experience on your own and then it's a different, there's similar things that you might like about doing it with a friend. And then there's different things you might like about doing it with a friend. And I think that's really the kind of the biggest piece of advice that I have for people is working to make some of those philosophical shifts, right? And also thinking about this idea that I kind of just said that, And the more you can make some of those, the more fun you might also have because your partner might be like, I got this fun toy. Let's do some fun shit together with this (laughs) in our sexual space and feel really free and open to do that. Right. Feel really safe to do that. And I promise you, and we've talked before about this, but people, when they feel safe and they feel secure and like they're not going to be judged, there's not going to be some huge conflict about something. People tend to have a lot more fun and they tend to lot they tend to be a lot more sexually expressive, which most people will say is is a much more enjoyable sexual experience. Thank you for that, Doc. Thank you. I think I learned a few things today. I hope we all did. Well, today, this section. So. All right. What? So. Otherwise, that was a lot of words I said for very little value. <laughs> it was a lot of word salad, but there was a lot of value in the salad, Doc. I was 100% with you. And when we come back, We're going to talk about toys for boys. And I don't know how much I know about that. It's going to be interesting when we come back. And we're back, folks. As promised, we are moving on. And we're going to talk about sex toys for boys. So our topic today is... Sex toys for boys. Creating variety in male masturbation. Okay, so I have a limited knowledge here. So you're going to have to educate me, Doc, which I know you're shocked about because I am so worldly and I know so much about so many things. You know what's so interesting when people ask me about my co-host? The first thing I say is Jeremiah James, very worldly. Worldly. (laughs) <laughs> worldly it's like my worldly. this is the first that's thing you see on my I wikipedia page what was that i said that's the word i used to describe the phrase i used to describe you he's very worldly that's right i am thank you so much but about this i am humble enough of a human to say that <laughs> i don't have a huge amount of knowledge in this world i only have a few things and one of them was a flashlight okay i had a flashlight It made a lot of noise, and I still just kind of felt that I could do it better myself, right? And Mm -hmm. so I had it. It wasn't necessarily my thing. And the only other thing that I know about that have not experienced personally is um, stuff for my anus and putting stuff to, to like tickle my prostate and stuff, which I know we're probably going to touch on in this because it's going to be a big part of this. So I'm going to need a little bit of information from you, doc. I'm going to be learning as everybody learns here at the university of pleasure Lay it on me. Great. Can I just say that? I love, I love how much you announce your humility. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite Jeremiah James trends. <laughs> I am humble enough. (laughs) (laughs) Super humble. Super humble. (laughs) Great. Okay. Thank you. I just wanted to note that, (laughs) observe it, if you will. Um, Anyways, yeah, I, I don't. I wanted to talk about this topic. I don't feel like people talk a lot about um, sex toys for male masturbation, right? And I do want to say that this topic is probably really more focused on individuals with penises, right? There are other people that may identify as male, but they don't have penises. So I just want to say that out loud from a diversity inclusion perspective, because I think it's important. Absolutely. But, you know, um, uh, I think in general, sex toys are often marketed more towards females right and we don't talk would you say that that's fair i mean yeah i mean (laughs) you just walk into a sex shop i mean it's majority like pointed towards ladies i would say in my humble opinion right very humble and (laughs) (laughs) sorry Uh, i'm gonna start keeping tallies it's so great (laughs) how many Um, times did he say he was humble in this episode (laughs) 
Methinks that thou doth protest too much. Um, uh, if I could have got that quote right, it would have been a great joke. Anyway. It would have been, but I was with you, so I giggled anyway. Yeah, but you know what? I think all the Shakespeare fans are going to be like, that's not actually what that quote means, because I don't think it is what that quote means. But anyway. not, but it worked for me. Um, so basically, I think that a lot of men don't realize that there are some options, right, if they want to engage with sex toys. I mean, I think the one that people are probably most familiar with is the prostate massager, and we're going to talk later on about prostate play, so I won't go too deep into the weeds on that one, but um. I think that it's just sort of an unexplored area for a lot of people. And again, there might be some people out there that are like, oh, yeah, I've got tons of toys. But I, I do think that if I just say to somebody, sex toys, name the first thing that comes to your mind. Oftentimes, it'll be like vibrators, dildos, and typically things for people with vaginas, right? Like typically yes. they're not. Yeah, no, I totally right? agree. Like when you pull out that box of tricks, you know, when I was in the swinging lifestyle and all that stuff way back when, the boxes that came out, they were never like, and this is my prostate massager. I never experienced anything like that. It was always things like vibrators, dildos rabbits, combinations of the two, um, you know, pocket rockets, all that kind of stuff. And then like every once in a while, like paddles and whips. But that was pretty much it. It wasn't anything that was like, I can honestly tell you that there was never a moment where a guy pulled out a sex toy for himself or that was a part of his toolbox. Right. And I think that that's relevant, right? That it's that they just seem less kind of spoken about or they're more marketed towards uh women right or people with vaginas in that in that then it makes it kind of feel a little less socially acceptable right for men to be going out there and buying toys and again i have some people that i'm well aware of that totally fine feel totally fine doing so but you know i, I think you brought up a good point like visually if you think about you know sex stores that you go into right or toy shops there's definitely going to be a much bigger section, right, uh, for women than for men. I'm going to say and, it's like 85 to 15. Yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly, but it, that's a good rough estimate, right? It's definitely going to be visually obvious. Thank you. Right? Yes, very visually obvious. So I just, I kind of wanted to talk about, like, what are some of the options, right? And and it's not because, I mean, lots of people have found ways to masturbate that are really enjoyable, but I sort of think that, this is a long life, hopefully, for most of us. And creating some variety in the way that you masturbate just can enhance just sort of your sexual satisfaction. So why not? Right? Agreed. <laughs> and Seekers, right? we're all about learning here, Doc. Lay it on we're, us. What can we, we add? Called, we are literally called the University of Pleasure, right? We're trying to inject more pleasure into people's lives. Yes. So if we can find ways to do that, and frankly, masturbation is one of the ways to do that. Why not talk about some ways to maybe make it more pleasurable or just to create some variety or some different things that you can try and you can do. Um, so, and I just do want to say, I do have like kind of a rule of thumb though around toys. And this is just something I, I advise clients about all the time. And I advise people in general, whenever you get a new toy, really, unless you and your partner have used a similar toy in the past, really think about using a new toy by yourself first before you use it with a partner because um, not for everybody, but for some people that can be, it can just be anxiety provoking. And also you might not know how it works. And a lot of these toys are actually pretty high tech now. <laughs> yes, they are. I recently got one as a gift that like <laughs> folded like a transformer. And <laughs> it was, it had more directions and I cannot make this up. This toy doc had so many directions. <laughs> And being a guy who, you know, and I don't mean to make broad generalities, I can only talk for myself, who's like, oh, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it, you know, like when it comes to directions, right? And then, I, of course, you know, screw up whatever Ikea thing I'm building, and then I go back and reread the directions and realize I should have read them in the first place. And then with a sex toy, it was just a little bit more heightened in that way, right? Because I was like, well, this is a sex toy, I don't want to hurt anybody. So, but there was so many directions on this new sex toy that, like, I felt like, it was it was more complex than taking my driver's test. Like I just was like I don't I don't know if this could be used on a regular basis. I I got to take a class. So some of them can be pretty hardcore, and then some of them are beautiful in their simplicity, folks. Anyway, I'm a big sex toy fan, so I'm just kind of putting that out there. But I'm just saying, I agree with the doc. How about that? I like it. I like it when you agree with me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. So like I I think. 
sometimes toys can be a little bit more complicated or sometimes it just can be kind of anxiety provoking. And if you spend a little bit of time familiarizing yourself with, especially if it's one that's going to be really used more on you and on your body for, you know, like the sensations are more around your body, spending a little time to figure out how it works, how you, how you use it and what kind of sensation you like from it. Like for instance, like let's take a vibrator, right? Vibrators often now have many different speeds or pulsations, right? And so just navigating a little of that because it can just be less disruptive if you're going to try to then bring it into a sexual scenario with other people. And that just can make it a little less anxiety provoking, a little less clunky and make you feel a little more comfortable. So it's sort of a rule of thumb. All right. So give us some more boy toys. Okay. Well, one of the first things, and we'll talk more about this a little later, would be prostate massagers, right? And we'll talk a little bit some people out there might be like, I already have one. It's great, right? <laughs> I feel totally comfortable using it. But prostate massagers are some things that because of a lot of stigma, some people feel much more uh, uh, conflicted about using. But there are lots of different types of prostate massagers out there. Um, some might vibrate, some might not, right? There's, uh, I think, a, a really great um website and sex shop um, it's located in minneapolis minnesota but they have an online uh store is the smitten kitten yes we've talked and, about it before on the university of pleasure doc oh they're one of my favorites they do such a great job their research on their toys they sell really high quality toys right they they just they do their research and i you know as a nerd i really appreciate that um totally. which means that because if you're gonna buy and that's sort of another rule of thumb if you're gonna buy a toy you know, if you're going to invest, maybe save up a little longer and get a decent one. Um, yeah, uh, that, that is really true. And I, and I do want to kind of touch on that because there are really, you know, just like anything out there, there's some really cheap things. And then if you pay a little bit more money, you might get one that will last a little bit longer that, you know, is a little bit more high quality in its parts or that, you know, charges in a certain way and you don't need to buy more batteries and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Also, you're putting it in your body, you know, <laughs> or you're touching your body with it and pretty important parts of your body. So just being really <laughs> thoughtful. And again, don't get me wrong. I know that some people have limited resources, which is why I say, you know, maybe save up or there are also really great toys that are affordable, but just do your research. Right. Um, and, and this is one thing I want to put out there to our listeners. No sex toys at garage sales. You know what no. I'm saying? Like no, I no, and buying used sex toys. No used person. sex toys. Okay, if it's on a discount rack and it says it was pre-opened, like you were at Best Buy and you like wanted to buy that TV because it was cheaper because it was an open box item, not necessarily a good thing with sex toys. Would you agree, Doc? Yes, I mean there is a reason they won't let you return them to Amazon. There right? you go. There you Amazon go. return a lot. <laughs> They won't let you return sex toys um, and for very good reason. Absolutely. Uh, um, the other thing, too, is to be mindful about what type of lubricants you're using. Like, so let's talk about like a prostate massager. Be thoughtful about what type of if you're using a silicone, you don't want to use silicone lubricant because that can break down the silicone and the massager or whatever toy you might be using. So if you buy a nice toy, you also want to keep it nice. So make sure to read all the care kind of instructions. But that's just a quick tip to throw out there. Um, but in terms of prostate massagers, there's lots of different types, right? And you, I bring up the Smitten Kitten and there's other great sex shop, you know, online as well. But I, I just like them because they have really nice descriptions of their toys. And um, they'll talk a little bit about like, you know, different prostate massagers are different, right? There's some that have maybe some external components to them too, right? So a lot of prostate massagers are going to be like flared at the end. And then they're going to have sort of a bulbous thing that goes inside of you to really kind of hit the prostate. And, um, but there are other types, right, where they might have maybe more of an external feature, like um, there's ones that have like kind of a simultaneously perineum massager. So another name for the perineum is the taint, right? That's the area between the anus and the testicles, right? It's pretty sensitive. Very sensitive spot. Right. And some of them might vibrate, some of them might not. Um, so there are that we'll talk a little bit more about prostate play and a Few so minutes, basically what the doc is saying here, folks, do your due diligence, see which one you think might work for you. All right. Because there are many varieties and they do many different things and just read up on them. Check the Amazon right. reviews or uh, maybe adamandeve.com or the smitten kitten. Check the reviews out, see what people think. And then just, you know, try to kind of imagine what it would be 
using it on yourself. And if you would like extra features or less features or more features, it's like some people, again, I go back to cars. Some people like heated seats. Some people like leather seats. Some people like seats that have air conditioning, which, by the way, if you've never experienced a leather air conditioned seat in the summertime, is really epic. <laughs> it happened to me recently because it's been getting hot. Anyway, the point is just check them out. Okay, check them out. Now, what are I the mean, toys we got other than prostate massagers? I know there's got to be more out there because I already talked about the yeah. flashlight. What else we got? Yeah, um, well, I, the other thing, too, is just as long as we're talking about anal play, right? Butt plugs, there's dildos, right? Those are certainly things. Sometimes men don't realize that they can use those things. Again, the prostate is very pleasurable and putting things in your anus and then you're right, like into your rectum, like that can feel very good. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about safety, but um, these are all things that can be a lot of fun for people. Um the other thing is there are, there are vibrators, right? There are specific vibrators that are also made. There's one um, that I think it's made by Fun Factory and it's called, I think it's like Manta. And it has basically like, it's hard to kind of visualize, but it almost looks like a vibrate, like a typical vibrator you would see, but at the end of it's flared. It's almost like a U shape with wings. And so you can stroke it up and down a penis, right? And it has different vibration settings. Um, there's vibrating vibrating chambers, I just right? would like so to let everybody know here at the University of Pleasure, I'm watching the doc use her hand to describe <laughs> these things, and I'm just so, like, perplexed and confused. So if you're confused out there, I'm watching her visually describe this with her hand, and I'm still confused. So just take what she's saying and go look it up. That's all I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> like, uh, the, the, uh, the Fun Factory Manta, M-A-N-T-A, that would be sort of the vibrator. Think about it, like, just as, like, a, a stick right? Like a vibrating stick like you would see, but it has like a U shape on the end so it can be stroked up and down a penis, right? It's not closed, it's open. I know it would be better if I had visuals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just but, nodding. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, But there's um, also vibrating chambers, right? So a vibrating chamber, cham- chamber there's one um, by, uh, I think the brand, is, I think it's called the Satisfier. I think Satisfier is S-A-T-I-S-F-Y-E-R. But like that's basically like just a device that vibrates and you put your penis inside and there's vibrations that hits along your shaft and your frenulum, right? So the really sensitive area under the head of the penis, right? And that vibration can provide some really nice experiences. Um, You brought up the fleshlight, Jeremiah. Those would be referred to as like masturbation sleeves or stroking sleeves, right? So the fleshlight would be a, um, essentially like if you, if you went into a sex shop and saw one, sometimes they look like, um, they're, they're, they're made to look like vulvas, right? So like the outside and then the inside, right? Where essentially it's, uh, replicating a vagina, right? A vulva and a vagina, right? right? Um, and those can be a lot of fun for people. And if I can say something about masturbation sleeves, I often use some of those uh, with clients that might be struggling with premature ejaculation or erectile functioning uh, because I want to be very clear because you just said I often use those with clients. I have clients use them. Thank you. <laughs> this is a clarification. My face um, just I went. Have clients uh, use them. Right. I recommend them for people. Thank you, Doc. Thank you, Doc. Thank you for clarifying. That's a very important clarification, Jeremiah. But I often recommend them for people that might be struggling with those type of things. So, like, let's say somebody's struggling with premature ejaculation. A lot of times, you know, when I ask them, like, what happens when you masturbate? They'll say, like, well, it's not a problem at all. Right. I'm like, well, you know, are you masturbating with your hand? And they're like, yes. Well, that's a very different sensory experience than let's say it's a somebody having intercourse, whether they're heterosexual or whether they're having sex with men, it doesn't really matter, right? That's a very different sensory experience than penetrating someone, right? And so using a toy that actually can simulate that experience a little bit better while also maybe working on some strategies, we can go into those in a later episode, right? About ways to maybe manage premature ejaculation can be a much more effective way to practice, right? Because masturbating with your hand, which is, I won't lie, going to be the typical way that many, not all people masturbate, is not the same sensory experience. So there are different ways, too, that sometimes these toys can actually be really helpful. All right. So there you hear from the doc. We got helpful toys. We got flashlights like mine that looked like vulvas. Then we had, uh, you know, the... uh, prostate play toys various different types look them up right. she gave some there explanations are, I have more. jeremiah i have more there are more there are cock rings they're vibrating cock rings those oh, are yeah. fun because you can use them by yourself you can use them with a partner 
right? I like that you're giving me faces because no, I, just, I was I, like, I didn't. I, you had a list. I was like, oh, yeah, and conquering school. Yes, of course. I told you I needed education in this world. So yes, they're, they're vibrating cock rings. They're also non-vibrating cock rings. It's a sensory experience some people might like. Um, P.S. with the masturbation sleeves that I was just talking about, flashlights would be a more permanent one. There are other brands as well. Um, usually you can clean them. You can use them with lubricants, right? You can make them feel pretty nice and like a pretty great sensory experience. But typically you can take them apart. You can clean them well. Um, but then there are also like one like single use masturbation sleeves. Right. So um, one of the brands, I think, is uh, Tantra, I believe, is one of the brands. Oh, Tenga. Sorry. T-E-N-G-A. Tenga, the Tenga egg. They're like pretty cheap and but nicer quality and you, they're kind of one time use sleeves. You can use those as well. It's just a nice different sensory experience. Um, and then we won't get too deep in these today, but um, some people might also use penis pumps. Right. Right. Where I'm, people have maybe seen some of those online. Right. It almost looks like a vacuum. Just on the Austin Powers movies. Like right. penis pumps and, so, and me. <laughs> right. Powers. So penis pumps. And then other people might do what's called urethral sounding. Right. So urethral sounding would be putting things inside the urethra. Oh. Now, right. I know you're saying, ooh, right. Some people really enjoy that as a sensory experience. But I'm just going to say this about all of these toys, especially things like pumps or sounding or processing, anything you're putting in your body. You need to be careful. Read the directions. Yes. Read directions. I mean, that Get one. Yes. Feedback on read how the directions. You and I'm right not judging it. anybody who wants to put something into your urethra. Uh, I have had that done. Only because I was getting an STD test and it was not a happy sensory experience right. for me. But for some people, it can be really pleasurable, right? And again, it's not going to be a happy experience if you're not doing it safely. There we right? go. So be so, safe. And there are plenty of resources, especially when you buy toys. That's part of why buying higher quality toys is important if you can, right? When you buy higher quality toys, they usually come with higher quality instructions and way to do things safely. And there are also really great sex ed resources out there online um, that can help you really be thoughtful about how you use things. I don't recommend just buying a toy and coming home and being like, I'm gonna put this inside my body and not reading the directions. Read the directions, do a little research, be thoughtful about it. Um, and the other thing is clean your toys. Clean your toys. <laughs> it's very important. If you don't want infections, right? If you don't want to get sick or if you don't frankly want to ruin your toys, you need to clean in toys. You need to clean your toys and be thoughtful about using them with other partners for the very same reasons. Yep. Clean toys make for clean fun. See how I did that? Yeah. Clean fun fun. There right? it is. Well, when we come back, folks, the doc is going to dive deep into prostate play. <laughs> you couldn't resist, man. <laughs> couldn't. It's not possible. There's no way I could possibly resist that. So be ready, because we'll be right back. And we are back, folks, for part three. And as we alluded to earlier, we're going to get deep into the prostate play. I had to do it again. I had to do it again. Here's the topic. Why? It's not a joke unless we really just kill it, right? Just really what? beat it to what? a pulp. <laughs> All right, fine, fine. If you don't like it, I'll edit it out, Doc. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> You're right, I won't. <laughs> and here's the topic. Why you should get over it and play with your prostate. The pee spot. It's a small, muscular gland that produces the seminal fluid found in ejaculate. I read that off of a paper because there's no way I would have actually had that knowledge as to what the prostate actually did. So I knew it had something to do with that, but I just want everyone to know, full disclosure, Jeremiah read it off the notes. So that's what that is. Thank you for owning that, Jeremiah. I, I had to. There's it. no way. And they all heard it in my voice. There's no way I could have said that and actually, like, out of my own brain. It's not possible. So I read that off well, the paper. It's possible. It's not paper that's on the computer. Anyway, the point is, that's what it is. Why should we play with it, Doc? Well, just... <laughs> 
Because I mean, the simple answer because it can feel real good. I mean, that's real good. (laughs) It can feel real good. Because it can feel real good, right? But just a little bit because people really don't often know what the prostate is, right? Um, That's why I wanted to tell them. I wanted everyone to be educated. Right. Um, Really, it it is a muscular gland that produces seminal fluid um, and that's found in ejaculate. It can help push semen um, from the penis, right? But here's the thing. It's surrounded by a bunch of nerve endings, which is why it can feel really good when it's touched or when it's stimulated, Um, especially if you're doing that in a really thoughtful, mindful way. Um, Really, it's located just so people can. And honestly, what I really recommend is that you do maybe a Google image search, you know, you can go on a medical site and you can look at where is the prostate located, but really it's located about two inches. Approximately every body is different inside the rectum and it's between the rectum and the penis. Um, you can access it directly if you go up through the anus into the rectum, right? Or you can also create some stimulation of it outside if you're doing maybe some stimulation of the perineum slash taint. Right. So that area between the anus and the testicles. Okay. I'm going to admit something right now to everybody. I have never officially had this played with. And when I say officially, I say that because I've had two, count them, two experiences with my doctor checking my prostate for cancer. So because it runs my family and it's a very important thing. But that's the only time I've ever actually like had somebody go in there and actually do that. And I'm not going to lie. I have come around to the idea, not because of my doctors and, (laughs) but yeah, interesting intro, (laughs) (laughs) but because I've heard such amazing things about how good it can make you feel. And the doc has brought it up, brought it up here. We've talked about other things that have to do with prostate and other episodes. So I got to be honest, I, you know, I'm open to it, but I know a lot of men aren't. And I think there's a lot of stigma around it, which I also understand on many levels, especially if you are a, a straight man and a heterosexual couple. So let's talk about some of that, Doc. Like, what, I mean, that's something that I'm sure you must run into. Yeah. I mean, frankly, I mean, the simplest way to really there is no really sugarcoating it, right? Like, I think that has a lot to do with cultural homophobia, right? Like, the reason that prostate sort of play has become highly stigmatized is just because as a culture, we've really struggled with that. We've struggled with homophobia, right? And so we associate things um, in that kind of way, which is incredibly problematic for a variety of reasons. But the reality is, is this is an area of the body that can produce a lot of pleasure, right? And, you know, you were bringing up your doctor and, and something I just would like to mention is that like, I've had clients before be like, I don't know, my doctor touched it and I didn't feel that good. And I'll be like, of course, right? Yeah. Like, well, you, you and, and I want to be very clear. Yeah. It's not gonna feel good when your doctor's doing that. He's not, he's not in there to make that happen. So yeah, right. it's not gonna feel great. But also like different sensory experiences change when we are aroused versus when we're not right like so anybody that's ever like i don't know like let's say somebody's like whispering lightly in your ear right like you might when not aroused be like what ah stop that's horrible right but under sexual circumstances that exact same experience might feel really good and it might feel really erotic and it might feel really arousing or like tickling or something like that something might you might feel really ticklish certain type of touch might feel really ticklish but then now you're in an aroused state and suddenly that touch feels really sensual and it feels really great and it feels really hot how we experience sensations change based, changes based on our arousal state, or it can, right? So that's also just something, just because you went to a doctor and you didn't like it, doesn't mean that, you know, or some other kind of circumstance, which was not a sexual circumstance, and you didn't like it, doesn't mean you might not like it under a different set of circumstances. So just something to say out loud. All right. Uh, and, and the other thing that, you know, I, I've heard concerns about, and I've heard it, you know, even when, you know, we're talking any kind of anal play with even a woman is hygiene issues. People get worried about that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. People have a lot of concerns just about, you know, doo-doo hygiene and frankly, like feces and things right. like that. And to be fair, you know, it's a fair concern, but there are lots of different ways to do this in ways that make people feel comfortable. Right. And again, when people are aroused, like there's research that our disgust cues go down, the more aroused we are. Right. Yep. And, and so some of that stuff that feels really meaningful when you're thinking about it in a non-aroused state might actually feel very different 
when you're actually aroused. But again, there's sort of a lack of education around like, you know, even how our bodies work. A lot of times, even if there is that sort of stuff, if you go to the bathroom or you do some maybe like cleaning, for the most part, you're probably going to be fine. And even if there is feces, it's probably going to be fairly minimal. And so these are just some kind of misunderstandings and miseducation that we've had. But if you're going to do this, right? So that's sort of like there is a lot of stigma around it, which really bums me out, right? <laughs> because people can have a lot of fun with this. And sometimes it's a really great option if somebody is struggling with other type of like, let's say somebody's having orgasmic issues. Let's say somebody's struggling with orgasm because, you know, just maybe a uh, stimulus of their penis isn't something that actually feels, you know, it's just not getting them there. Adding in some prostate play might be a thing that really helps them orgasm. And some people describe, um, and everybody's different, but some people describe prostate orgasms as being much more intense than an orgasm you might have by stroking your penis, right? And some people do a combination of those things. So it can also maybe be a different, some people describe it as like kind of a quote unquote fuller body orgasm, right? Where it's just, it can last longer, it's more intense. And again, that's not everybody, but that might be another reason to try is that it's really pleasurable, but it can also just be a different experience orgasmically for you. Um, so how but, do we get started in the world, Doc? Yeah. So start slow. Okay. Yeah. I, I would have to say I would agree with that. Analogy. I would say this is true of all anal play, regardless of your gender. Correct. Start slow. Okay. Um, regardless of what kind of anal play you're doing, that would always be the thing that I would suggest. Start slow. If you've never engaged in any kind of prostate play, start with like a small butt plug or your finger, right? Like you can't just go buy a prostate massager and just shove it in, right? That's going to be very painful. I really don't recommend that, right? And again, everybody's different, but most people would not recommend that. You definitely want to think about lubricants, right? Finding a lubricant, probably if you got a silicone prostate massager, you'd want to get a water-based lubricant, right? Or something that can work with that toy. And make sure you have time, right? You got a little afternoon, <laughs> right? This is not the type of stuff, especially for the first few times to be like, oh, well, I got a 10. Let me just squeak out a quick prostate massage. Yeah, this is definitely one of those things that I think, you know, you're going to want to take a little time. You know, you got an afternoon. You felt like doing a little exploration. I would say give it a little focus. Don't make it so like wham, bam, thank you, I'm done. Right. And and so like that's why sometimes just starting with a finger or a small butt plug can be helpful. Also, if you're trying to find it and know what it feels like, it can uh, people describe it feeling kind of like a fleshy bulb of tissue on the front wall. So that's towards the stomach inside the rectum. It stands out from under tissue from other tissues. So you can usually you can feel it. And typically when you push on it, you definitely are going to feel that it feels like a different sensory experience. But so the, the real piece of advice would probably be start slow. All right. Start small, start slow. Give yourself some time. Um, definitely, this would be one of those things. Play a little bit around on your own before involving a partner. It's really good to get to know your body, how your body works. Um, I think if hygiene stuff is an issue for you and you're concerned about hygiene, Go to the bathroom beforehand, take a little extra time in the shower to clean, or some people will do like enemas or anal douching. Now, I want to say out loud that you want to be mindful and thoughtful about doing that because there is some information out there that doing that can actually maybe take away some of important bacteria in your body and increase your risk for infections, right? Like if, for instance, like if you're going to have anal sex with somebody and you're doing a lot of douching, you may actually be increasing your risk for contra contracting certain STIs. So sexually transmitted infections. So, so be mindful of that. Be mindful of the right. anal douching and the enemas. But you know what? I got to be honest, you know, just uh, if you're starting out fresh, you're starting out new, get in the shower. Right? Shower right. in a really good way. Just get really nice and clean down there. I usually try to time my showers after I go to the bathroom because I like to be super clean all the time. It's a thing with me, Doc. And I don't understand why people don't do it more. I may have even spoken about this in other episodes. But if you're going to have a little bit of time, trust your old friend Jeremiah James. A little bit of time in the shower. Get it really, get in there, get it nice and clean. I think you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. 
I think the, the shower is actually a very good place, right, to kind of start to do some stuff. And I think that You're welcome, a lot world. really about also just getting out of your head about some of that hygiene stuff, right? You can always wash, let's say you're using your finger. You can always wash your hands if something happens that you don't like, right? You can lay a towel down. You can do all sorts of different things. Here's the nice thing about a mess. It can be cleaned up. It's not the end of the world. I totally agree. I totally right. agree. And a quick, quick, you know what, a quick minute and a half shower, clean that right up like it never happened. No big deal. Right. I wish that my new Rottweiler puppy would just go to the bathroom in the bathtub. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm just... You like be careful what you wish for on that one. Sure. Well, yeah. Well, right now he's forty pounds, but he's going to be like one hundred and sixty pounds. So I, I don't wish it then. I'm just saying, like right, right. now, when he's like, oh, I'm just going to go right here on the floor. I'm like, no, why can't you just go in the bathtub and I can just rinse it down? Anyway, continue. Right. Um, the other thing would be just before we run out of time today, just talking about if you want to use it. Let's say you've used it on your own, you've had some success. Because so maybe there's some people out there that are listening that have used it on their own. And they would really like to use it with a partner, but they don't know how to do that, right? I think that it, it can be hard because of the stigma around it. It can be really hard to talk to a partner, depending on kind of what your partnership looks like, about what that you like that or that you enjoy anal play. And that can be a nerve wracking conversation to have. So one of the things just first, and I know I've said it in previous episodes, but remember that your partner's first reaction might not be their last, right? Just because somebody starts off with a like, you want a what, right? Or kind of like an ew factor doesn't mean that that's necessarily where they're going to stay. But because there's a lot of stigma about this stuff, it's something that we all struggle with, right? Your partner might struggle with some of the same or different sort of miseducation or misinterpretations as other people, right? So you might have to do some work destigmatizing it with your partner as well. Also, here's the thing. All you can really do as a partner in any kind of sexual scenario to ask them and be honest with them about what you like or what you're interested or what you want to try with them. But at the end of the day, sometimes things just aren't going to be your partner's thing. Right. And we've talked about that in other episodes. You know, all you can do is try to engage your partner in thoughtful dialogue about something. But sometimes your partners just aren't going to want to do what you want to do. And if they but that doesn't mean you can't do it by yourself when you yeah. have a little free time and still explore right. and enjoy. So, you know, even if your partner may not be into it, that doesn't mean you got to shut it all down and never do it. And you shouldn't feel shame because somebody might not be into something that you're into. And that's OK, too. So I would say right. keep on exploring and enjoying. Right. And, and I think that, you know, and for some partners, once that destigmatizing happens, they actually might find some ways that they enjoyed as well. And they, people often, it's, it's called compersion, right? Like getting pleasure from the pleasure of I another. I love when you use that word compersion. First huh? of all, you say it so well, but you know, you were the first person I ever heard say compersion. And now when you say it, I'm, I feel very smart because you're like compersion. Like, I know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So you, but it's an important idea, right? Like part of eroticism is often not for everybody, but it's often that, right? Like watching our partners have pleasure and have enjoyment. And a lot of us get a lot of arousal out of that. And so sometimes it's just getting around the awkwardness and the novelty of something new and pushing through stigma around it. And the more that we can do that, the more fun we can have. And I think that the last thing I would say is because there's stigma around this, part of it is also working to destigmatize it with yourself and allow yourself to enjoy it. If you if you try out prostate massage and you enjoy it, try to let that be okay. Trying to say like, you know what? Like, this is not a dirty or bad thing that I'm doing. This is something that feels really nice and I'm doing it for me. And a lot of that stigma out there is problematic in a lot of ways anyway. So how can I just enjoy this? There you go. And there it is. We've learned about toys. We've learned about prostate play. The doc has laid it out there for our listeners. Gentlemen out there, let's all dive into deep into the pool. Let's give it a shot. I don't know. I might even come back on another episode and be like, yeah, totally tried it out. Doc was 100% right. And if I do, I'll tell all of you folks. And you know why? Because I'm so humble that I have no problem. <laughs> I'm no. kidding. I'm kidding. Thank you, doc, for all of your knowledge, as always. And don't Thank forget... Folks, that we released our first book at the University of Pleasure. Go to universityofpleasure.com and check it out. It's called Amy Book One, beginning of a series written by myself and, of course, the incredible Autumn Karen, who you heard in the first interview last week. So go on there and check it out. If you just put in your email address, you get your own copy. 
It's that simple. So check it out. Thank you, Doc, as always. So good to see you. I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. And I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. We'll see you all next Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. Take care. Be safe. Stay healthy. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Feldstein. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. <laughs> <laughs>